So when the clerk's ready. I am ready, we, sir. Okay, we can start the recording and call the roll. Recording has been started, sir. Can do the roll. And with that, uh, Supervisor Halbert. Present. And President Miley. Here and accounted for. The clerk give instructions for particip participating in this meeting for the public. The meeting site is open to the public. To protect employee and public health, masks are required to enter all county facilities and must be worn at all times. Members of the public may observe and participate in meetings remotely via teleconference by following the instructions in the teleconferencing guidelines posted online at acgov.org. For both in-person and remote attendees, when addressing the committee, please give your name for the record prior to your presentation. If you wish to speak on a matter not on the agenda, please wait until the chair calls for public comment. Thank you. Thank you. All right, our first item on the agenda is our inspection program, pilot inspection program. So turn it over to staff. Yeah, good morning, Supervisors. Albert Lopez, Plan Director. I just wanted to enter the item before turning it over to, to Edward from our Code Enforcement Unit. Um, as you may recall, we've been working on this particular, uh, launching a program like this for uh, for some time now. The last meeting that we had, uh, the, this committee seemed to be pretty excited about getting this underway, and uh, we asked for some additional information uh, from our neighboring jurisdictions, as well as just more an outline of the overall program. So we had that for you uh, this morning. And then there's also, uh, as part of the, the recommendation today, is that um, this be moved on to the, the, the full board for a uh, approval of sort of the reprogramming of the, of the, the, the funding um, for this, for this uh, program so that we can kind of get it going. The, um, as I mentioned, um, you know, we have a lot of information that you wanted to see from last time. So hopefully uh, you'll find that acceptable. And so with that, I, I will turn it over to, to Edward Labayog from our code enforcement unit, and he'll walk you through the memo and through the, uh, the, the program design as we have it. I would also acknowledge just for the audience members, for some reason, I don't know if it's just me, but um, the the memo that was in the uh, link on the website only had the first two pages of the report, and the report actually is a little bit longer. So I don't know if the clerk can can fix that uh, quickly or not. But I just wanted to flag that as a as a as an issue this morning. So with that, I'll I'll turn it over to Edward, and you can take it from here. Okay. Uh, could we share the uh, memo, please? Good morning, Supervisor Ed Labayag, um, Alameda County Code Enforcement Manager. So as Albert said, that we have been working on this for quite some time, not only for uh, uh, trying to improve the services to tenants, but also uh, designed to help uh, housing providers as well. So I'm gonna skip some background because I think we're already aware of uh, the background regarding this items. Could we uh, go to page uh, or move down further? for the purpose uh, up a little bit to the purpose there we go i'm sorry uh yes 
So, thank you. So uh, we really wanted to have a program that would uh, really enhance the delivery of service and response related to uh, tenant complaints and enforcement uh, in the, uh, only in the unincorporated county because um, that's what we cover in code enforcement. And it will help satisfy the county's compliance of, with the recently passed AB 838. And I've attached that in the memo. Basically that's um, been effective since July 1st, 2022, requiring jurisdictions to respond to substandard housing complaints from not just tenants, but residents, occupants, aid, and agents. Uh, we have to provide them adequate notice, let them know what's wrong, uh, either uh, as a correction or a violation, and uh, to let the owner know what they need to do to fix the problem. Do you get a permit? Do you hire um, um, professionals to take care of the problem? And we have to re-inspect it for compliance. And uh, we have to do that um, in response to be responsive to this uh, state law. Thus, and the introduction of this program uh, will be appropriate because there are multiple benefits. With the code enforcement providing this service, tenants will have a way uh, of uh, contacting somebody in the county or an agency in the county that will at least listen to their complaints and uh, let them know if it's something that the county can cover. We do an inspection if we need to and a lot of times we just put the tenant and the landlords together to discuss the issues, things that need to be repaired, talk about their roles and responsibilities, and we can get pretty good results. And we have been for a while. We just need to improve what we're doing at this time. Uh, next page. The second page of the memo. So the, oh yeah, under program outline, go down a bit. Sorry about that. I think if you hit page down, it'll get you there. We're having a technical so, issue, sorry. <laughs> right, right there. So uh, up one page. There we go. So uh, in terms of the program outline, uh, we're gonna, in unincorporated county, code enforcement will be uh, where tenants will, uh, we, will, we will be receiving the complaint, will be the intake uh, for the county. If there's a complaint in another department, we're gonna let everyone know if there's a tenant complaining about their housing condition, send them to code enforcement. Uh, so we're also going to provide training for our code enforcement staff. Uh, a lot of my, majority of my investigators uh, are good with zoning and neighborhood preservation, but they're not necessarily good with tenant complaints because we really haven't been responding to those 100%. And uh, we're going to teach them about roles and responsibilities of tenants and landlords, as well as uh, uh, training them to do housing quality standard inspections and um, substandard conditions, environmental um, issues with lead and mold and asbestos, those kinds of things, so that they can be better prepared when I send them out there to do inspections. Um, we're gonna be referencing the um, Alameda County Housing Code 
standards in 15.24 and the health and safety codes, uh, 17920.3. Uh, they basically mirror each other. Um, we're not, we're not going to be talking about the IPMC for this pilot program. Uh, further down the road, if we decide to explore uh, doing a proactive rental inspection, that's an opportunity for us to see if we need uh, an additional regulations to help with, with these types of inspections. It could be the IPMC, it could be something else, but I think that we'll have time to evaluate this program and determine what we're going to need and work on if we decide to um, do a rental inspection program. Even if not, we can still decide if we need more codes and regulations. But we felt like uh, just using the housing code and the health and safety codes will be enough. That way we're just dealing with uh, habit habitable issues, substandard conditions, and like uh, Supervisor um, Albert and Supervisor Miley said, we're, we don't want to deal with the minor repair stuff. I think this is will be the right codes that we, we can use. And uh, we're going to follow enforcement procedures under 6.65 because that covers exterior maintenance. And we go to the B, uh, BZA if there's an abatement or appeals process for that. But for any violations of the housing code and a health and safety code, we have to use chap chapter 15.28. Um, and there's a little bit difference between the two, but uh, the the main thing is that the hearing officer for a 15.28 would be either a hearing examiner or uh, the public works director. We've already uh, talked to public works very recently, like a week and a half ago, and they're on board with uh, giving us the designation to uh, enforce chapter 15.24. We just have to develop a, a memo and that's underway at this moment. So under the enforcement procedures, there's notifications, uh, reinspections, fines and fees, appeals and hearings. Uh, liens if fees aren't, aren't uh, paid and uh, abatement procedures yeah, and so much more. So for uh, Supervisor Mali brought up the fact that uh, what if uh, there's a red tag or uh, people are uh, gonna get displaced, for example, either permanently or temporarily. So if we find a location where we feel like we need the expertise of a building inspector, because uh, we're not sure if it's, um, we want to make sure that it's safe to occupy. If they deem that it, it has to be red tag because it's so dangerous that it's, um, nobody can occupy it, then we'll have a building inspector come out with us to number one, validate the conditions and to post the red tag if necessary. Um, doesn't happen very often, but we do have that process in place. And uh, rental property owners, uh, they are responsible for uh, temporary or permanent relocation uh, or displacement because of a substandard condition, or they need to make major repairs that the tenant can't stay in the unit while, the, while those repairs are being done. Uh, right now, uh, the county does not have any uh, thing in place. We don't have any uh, relocation assistance program or right to return clause or um, just cause in place yet, but there's um, 
um, Michelle in uh, HCD is working very hard to try to get these tenant protection policies in place that will be very helpful for tenants that are in this situation. So uh, if, a, if a, a property owner does not want to provide um, relocation assistance to their tenants, basically the, the, the tenants have to seek legal advice and pursue this as a civil action. Um, sometimes we can, you know, kind of uh, let the owners and tenants know if you guys can work this out, what about going to mediation services like Echo Housing? But that's um, voluntary right now, not mandatory. And um, so we can convince them that this could be an easier way instead of going to litigation. And sometimes it works. Um, we also use uh, mediation services if we have cases in our uh, code enforcement that you know we're, um, we feel like either neighbors or landlords and tenants uh, can't get along and can't figure out a way to get the problem solved. So we're also gonna be doing data collection. We feel like this pilot program will, will help us get the information we need to either find out, uh, to find out where these problems are occurring, what areas, what neighborhoods, what type of um, tenants are, are, are being affected. And just to get the overall condition of the property itself, I think that um, it's gonna help us uh, and Michelle's team and HCD try to figure out uh, housing quality and standards that exist in the county right now. And that's also gonna tell us if there's any services or referrals that we need to um, to make if we find properties that, for example, needs um, services of our um, healthy homes department. Uh, they have a lot of grants, loans, and um, programs that could be helpful. And um, we can also make referrals to other agencies like the health department, environmental health, uh, public health, et cetera. Next page down, please. So, um, so I think that there's another page up, up right before that. Yes. Uh, did you get the page where it says outreach and education? Okay. No, that's the entirety of the file. Uh, I'm looking to see is there another page, but I don't see one. Okay, can I share my screen then? Sure, hang on one second. Uh, can everybody, everybody see my screen? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know why it didn't make it on the uh, attachment, but uh, apologize for that. I'll have to see what happened when I sent it over. So uh, in this section, we were talking about outreach and education. Uh, part of this pilot program funds are going to be used for us to develop a campaign to provide information, outreach, education, not just to tenants, but also to housing providers. We wanna to try to produce handout flyers uh, related to habitability, uh, 
and let's say somebody wants me to make the screen larger. I don't really know how to do that. Can everybody see my screen okay? Hit the plus button at the top middle of the page. Okay, hang on one second. How's that? Is that better? Yes. Okay. Um, so we want to develop handouts and flyers related to habitability complaints and how to file a complaint. A series of public presentations to promote awareness, for example, at the ACA or the Cherryland Association, uh, Padres Unidos, and all of these community groups that we feel like we want to go to them and do a, a presentation to tell them about uh, housing conditions and how to file complaints, their rights, roles, and responsibilities, etc. And uh, aside from going out to the community, we also want to develop workshops where people can join in, perhaps a Zoom type uh, or, or in person, where uh, they can come to us and we can provide uh, this education training and, and uh, information you know, um, meetings. We also want to update the existing code enforcement website to include a lot of the general information that they, if they want to just simply read about things, uh, rights, roles, responsibilities, type of complaints they can complain about and uh, referrals if they uh, feel like they have a problem that uh, they can contact a different agency, for example. Uh, so we'll have that also uh, developed. Reporting, uh, we, we felt like during this pilot program, we want to collect a lot of this information and, and we're going to provide a report to, to this committee for the first year to let them know how the program is doing, what type of information we're getting so far, and if we need to make any adjustments, we'll let them know at that time. And then we also want to provide a report uh, towards the middle of the second year to evaluate the overall program and to see if a reactive system will continue or uh, we start working on proposing a proactive rental inspection program. Because uh, we want to be prepared at the end of the pilot program, we want to be prepared to know what we're, what system we're going to have after the pilot program is over. And as far as the funding, uh, we're going to utilize funds that was already secured through the American Rescue Plan Act that was approved by the Board uh, of Supervisors earlier this year. Uh, the full board uh, is required to act on reprogramming because that. Uh, initially, that those, the ARPA funds were meant to kickstart the proactive rental inspection program. But since we've been delayed uh, for that, we, we didn't want to uh, uh, not use those funding. I think it still serves the purpose because we're trying to find uh, properties that um, need help right now uh, through repairs, et cetera. Especially if we can, if we find property owners that maybe have been impacted by not, uh, they haven't been able to do uh, simple repairs, etc. cetera, uh, there's a way for us to refer even uh, those types of situations to um, healthy homes because they also receive ARPA money for uh, grant repairs, uh, but they have to qualify for that. Um, so, 
the estimated uh, cost for this pilot program and is still an estimate. We're thinking uh, of developing uh, uh, the program, uh, the creating a checklist, for example, of things that we can cover uh, that'll be helpful for my inspectors. Provide the training. We need to spend some money for uh, developing and printing materials and, and having the supplies. We felt like uh, half staff for the, each of the two years is uh, gonna be enough because I do have existing staff that can cover some of it. Maybe at the end of the first year, if we really get busy, I can uh, uh, evaluate that to see if we need more. But I think with the support of existing staff that just a um, part-time person to help us would be sufficient, uh, as well as uh, you know, uh, part-time uh, clerical support would be, um, will be enough for us as well. I do have an itemized breakdown, which I can show that later if you just wanna look at that uh, separately and that's fine too. So in terms of long-term funding, uh, again, you know, at the end of this two-year pilot program or the sustainability part of it is that we feel, we still feel like a proactive uh, rental inspection program would be a good idea. So if that rolls out, uh, if we, the county decides that that's a good program to implement. That funding for that um, program would help cover the cost of the um, that program. Uh, and if if we don't um, implement that program, then we would have to find ways to fund a continued uh, reactive complaint-based system. Um, and then. So with that, um, we just recommend the, this committee to uh, receive this report, provide uh, uh, for this uh, complaint-based program and to move the item to full, full board and also to take public comment. Now uh, with that, uh, uh, that's the end of my presentation. And if I, I'll take any questions you may have. Right, <clears throat> thank you for the presentation. I will start with Supervisor Halpert to see if he has any questions. Okay, I don't believe I've, Supervisor Halpert has responded. So I, I, a few things that I, it's a reactive program. Uh, now, if we decide we want to go proactive, would we be doing that? prior to the two years or after the two years? Well, I, I think that it's going to take some time. If we decide to uh, go for it, then it's still going to take some time to go through another round of public hearings and uh, the roadshow and then uh, to, your, to the TNP and then to the board. So I think that after we're done with the first year, when we come back with our report, and we feel like uh, it's a good idea to pursue that, and then we can start working on that uh, and get the wheels turning, basically, before mm -hmm. uh, the end of the two-year pilot. Okay. And then, because I know there's a lot of different pieces we're looking at here, because I support the, um, the, the program, what we're doing here, 
And I also feel that if a tenant is displaced or has to relocate, then the landlord should have the responsibility for picking that, you know, that cost up, um, reasonable cost, as well as a right of return. And that's not part of what you're doing. It's part of another ordinance that we might enact. Um, and I'm still waiting to see how detailed that ordinance will be. But those two components I support. And I'm concerned about trying to make sure those components are being um, addressed. But that, once again, is not part of what you're, you're putting forth. Then the other thing is I'm also interested in um, having us gather data on all of the um, rental providers that are in the unincorporated area through like we're calling a registry. And once again, you're not doing that through this ordinance. You'll gather data. Now, will you gather data on, uh, so if you go to a place, you'll have the data on the landlord, who the, who, who the proprietor is of that particular location. You'll have that data? Uh, yes, we do. We can get that data through the assessor's office. Okay, so you'll know that it's uh, uh, Marion John Smith, for instance, and um, you'll be able to determine whether or not, um, for instance, Mary John Smith have other properties that have also been complained about. Uh, I would not have that data. No, I'm talking about if you have to go there. So, for instance, with the reactive rental inspection, if you have, like in your universe, uh, 25 properties, you would have data whether or not five of those properties were on Mary and uh, John Smith. Uh, yes, if we have another um, complaint and we right. can see that it's the right. same property owner, right. then we'll know. Right, right. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to understand if they're repeat offenders. That's what I'm trying to understand. If they're Because once again, I'm not saying they're bad landlords. I'm not saying they're bad tenants. But there are bad landlords and there are bad tenants. And I think as a policymaker um, and for the government, it's important for us to be able to flag uh, if we have a repeat offender and how we deal with that party. And that's why I was trying to determine if you're collecting information on actual um, the proprietor, the landlord of the property, see whether or not um, he or she is a repeat offender. And then would you also be collecting data to determine whether or not, for instance, if a person was displaced, if that party moved back in, once again, you're not up, you know, you're not responsible for ensuring that that happened, that they move back in. But would you have data to determine if the former tenant was able to move back in? Will you be collecting that kind of data too? Um, I think that if we have a case where the issue was um, the you know the repairs, and we know that the uh, the tenant has is still a legal tenant they haven't been evicted or something like that yes we would we would want to collect that data yes okay. yeah because i'd like to know it'd be important for us to know what happens so yeah. if um if you go and do a, a reactive inspection you come up with a compliance plan uh, that plan is you know fulfilled now what happened with the tenant was the tenant um if the tenant had to relocate was the tenant able to move back in uh what what happened there maybe the tenant decided to go somewhere else. Maybe the tenant didn't want to move back in. But I'm just trying to make sure we have a complete picture of what happened at that particular uh, location. I know you already said you'll be working with Healthy Homes, which is really great, uh, and other allied um, 
agencies and departments as appropriate. Um, and then the, the only other concern I think I have is I'm still a little, I'm a little angst about the staffing. It's really one full-time equivalent because you have two part-time people. And I don't know if, that, if that's going to be sufficient staffing. So if, if, if we find out we need a full-time inspector or investigator or full-time uh, clerical support, how quickly could we move that person, persons from half-time to full-time? Um, maybe, Albert, can you help me with that question? Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I think that I think we're going to be nimble enough, um, supervisor, to be able to, if we get inundated by complaints and calls mm -hmm. and the activity is, you know, is, is more volume than we anticipated, we're going to be able to to um, redesignate staff to kind of backfill. I mean, right now, I think what, what Edward is saying is that we probably have a little bit of capacity if that were to happen to to use existing staff so that mm -hmm. any new staff that we have that was just maybe working half time we could we could you know sort of backfill and and help that person out and get a, a full time mm -hmm. person basically although it might be actually two two different people working half time but we could get one FTE mm -hmm. and maybe even more if we needed it but mm -hmm. we, we really don't know I mean this is an information mm -hmm. gathering um, phase of the of the of the you know the project being a pilot and so. We're going to be collecting a variety, you know, all kinds of different information about, you know, how these things work, how this process works so that, you know, we can have a really good feedback loop. And, and if we decide to go full proactive at some point, we'll know what kind of resources we need. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's, that's helpful. All right. And then of course, there's a clerical staff who can help just you mm -hmm. know, move paper along because there's a, there's a lot of papers, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I kind of, and then once again, since it's reactive, if I'm the tenant, I don't I don't have to complain and uh, and send the information to code enforcement. A neighbor could do that, right? Or an, another party. I don't have to have to actually be the tenant complaining. Anyone can make the complaint, right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Because I really appreciate the fact that you're building in that outreach and education uh, component, so people understand that. And would you be keeping track of? <clears throat> well, and I know it'll it'll be it's, once again these it's against the law, but it, I mean it won't happen because people do things that are um, against the law all the time in other arenas. For instance, people drive fast when they should be driving slow. Um, if a tenant is harassed, will you be getting that type of uh, data as well? Um, it'll be your okay. responsibility to deal with that. I don't think but we need to understand whether or not a landlord's harassment. Yeah, we have to be careful because somebody might say they're being harassed, but we don't mm -hmm. might necessarily have proof of that. We can just make a note that they said okay. that. Okay, gotcha. And we can definitely include that. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, you know, Smiley. Yes, I just wanted to say I had to answer my questions. I'll go. I called in you earlier, so I'll go back to you, uh, uh, Chair um, Albert. Thank you, Supervisor. I really appreciate that. I note that um, that our system um, uh, is somewhat um, complaint um, driven, right? We, we're not um, uh, out there unless we get a, a call, at least not at this at this point. Um, and so keeping track of those calls, following up on those calls. But could you describe um, what we do? Uh, and so we need to let people know that if there's a problem out there to, to, to call, 
What do we do around making sure that everyone understands what that um, uh, level of uh, service, that minimum level of service, what it means to provide um, uh, a safe, uh, a fair place for people to live and where, when they will run afoul of our codes. If you're not providing that, if you fail uh, as a landlord, um, where you're going to get yourself into, uh, into trouble with a code enforcement inspector, um, how, 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 how can we make sure that people know what they, what they can and, and cannot do because people have rights? Do we, um, uh, how, how, can we, how can we continue to do that? Uh, yes, so um, uh, we kind of have our boundaries, which are we're going to be limited to enforcing what's in uh, Chapter 15.24 of the Housing Code mm -hmm. and also the um, uh, California Health and Safety Codes. The problem is that um, it, they might, um, for example, plumbing, electrical, mechanical, they say that if it uh, everything has to be in working order. A lot of times, tenants and uh, housing providers won't necessarily know where that, what that means. So uh, that's the reason why I included a component for outreach and education to kind of to let them know if you have these types of conditions, that's something you can report to the code enforcement. We can help you follow that up with the property owner. But if it's minor repairs. Um, you know, it still needs to be fixed. You know, this is how you do it. You contact your landlord, uh, let them know what the problems are because it's a warranty issue. You're paying rent and you're, you're supposed to have these things in working and they're not. Um, so uh, hopefully doing a series of outreach, um, the workshops, going to the community to, do, you know, going out to meet them and, and creating workshops where they can come in and join us will be will be really helpful yeah let the landlords know that too maybe we need to do outreach with with them so yes. um community doesn't experience that thank you very much i really appreciate that great presentation thank you uh there's also a few questions i uh that you had in the last meeting that i i wanted to cover if that's okay uh the question sure. that uh supervisor supervisor miley you uh, mentioned that is there a difference between uh, livability and habitability? So, because we are bound by the health and safety codes that addresses habitability, that we're not even going to use the word livability. It just confuses people. So, we're not even going to use that term in our enforcement. Um, also, you asked about the fire department's role with uh, when there's a tenant complaint. So, basically, uh, what we heard from them is that they will. Um, uh, from time to time inspect uh, multi-unit uh, uh, buildings, but they're limited to the, the common areas. They look at fire extinguishers, exiting, fire suppression stuff, but they do not enter the units themselves. So um, they'll probably respond if there's a fire, uh, but they don't uh, inspect individual units. But we do have... Um, you know, smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors covered when, you do, when we do our inspections. And then uh, you ask also how many echo housing mediation uh, calls were referred or received. Um, I have data for the last two years. So for just the unincorporated county, 
2021, there was uh, 48. And 2021 to 22, there was 45. And uh, I think we also already covered your questions about displacement and uh, right to return. Uh, again, if um, uh, with the help of Michelle and HCD, uh, hopefully those kinds of things will be evaluated and, and uh, see if we can uh, put those things in place in the future. Um, uh, Supervisor Howard asked about um, comparables with cities and um, other jurisdictions. Uh, since we're not uh, really talking about IPMC for right now, uh, we have collected some data. There are some cities that are already uh, have the IPMC or even have uh, rental inspection programs. Um, so when we start talking about pursuing a proactive rental inspection program, we'll have more data. But for right now, what I have is uh, Berkeley, Emeryville, Hayward, and Livermore have the um, rent, uh, rent inspection program and city of Oakland has their ordinances approved, but they have not started implementing yet, um, as far as I know. And uh, cities that are already have the IPMC are Berkeley, Emeryville, Hayward, Livermore, San Leandro is thinking about it and Fremont and Dublin have it as well. And uh, I think I think I've that's pretty much all the uh, questions I try to answer for you for you and if you have any more questions uh, I'm here to answer them. Thank you. That's great. No other questions for me. Uh, thanks for the report back. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the report back and let me just go through this. First of all, yeah, it's good that you're not going to use livability, you're using habitability, you, you know, uniform legal term. Okay. Secondly, um, once again, this is not your program, but I'm very curious, and I'll be talking to your agency and your, your colleagues in the other department. Uh, with Echo Housing, 48 and 45, it seems to me to be very low. Um, and I need to understand why that's not working <clears throat> as well as it could be working. And I do think we need to get this rental, this uh, inspection piece underway. Uh, but we need to have accompanying parts of it so that it supports what's being done through the inspection. And I think the, the mediation, um, the uh, relocation, the um, uh, right of return, all those are accompanying pieces uh, of, of this. But it's not directed in this particular uh, pilot. The the other thing is, um, let me see here, fire. Fire might not inspect units, but I do hope that if you're going into multi-unit uh, dwellings, that if your inspectors are trained and they notice issues, that they bring it to the attention of fire. Because once again, I don't want to have a ghost ship situation on my hands in the unincorporated area. Um, so fire might not be inspecting individual units, but a complex and I don't know what size complex it has to be, if it's three, four, or more units, or whatever. I hope your inspectors are taking a look at that as well when they go into these uh, facilities. Um, and let me think here, was there anything else? Um, I think those those are all my um, responses to what you said. Uh, appreciate the work that uh, you and staff have done on this. So if there's nothing else, I think we'll go to the public speakers on this. 
and then we'll see if there's a, a motion or consensus to move this to the full board. So if the clerk could call any speakers we might have and give the speakers three minutes, please. Hi, Leo, you're on the line. Leo, you're still muted. I can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. All right. Good morning, Supervisors. My name is Supervisor Hobart. This is Leo Esclamato on behalf of my Eden Voice. Um, during the Bay Area flooding last month, we received a call and video from an Ashland resident. Her entire apartment flooded with sewage water full of urine and excrement throughout her kitchen, living room, and bedrooms. This was the third time this happened, and this resident was relocated. She was relocated without any assurance she would be able to return to her home. And I just want to uplift this scenario. It summarizes how broken and unacceptable uh, the situation for unincorporated housing is. Um, we share Supervisor Miley's concerns on displacement. If we were to proceed with this pilot program without any clarity of how to keep tenants protected, we are concerned this program does not adequately safeguard tenants from evictions. So our question has been referencing state law AB 1482 because it does not guarantee that the state law doesn't guarantee a tenancy is continued when major repairs are found. What are, what are the county's protections when a tenant's home is found uninhabitable? Um, this pilot program puts too much burden on the tenants to report their issues and exposes them to more retaliation or displacement without further protections. Um, four years ago, when when Eden residents, residents started raising our issues, um, we supported the initiative of a proactive rental inspection. We directly addressed these issues and concerns in that ordinance. Um, we even supported the idea that low-income property managers need repair funds. Um, this also aligned with a county interagency steering committee, recommended a local and expanded just cause first be in place to proactively protect tenants during the proactive inspection process. So without local just cause protection, single family renters also will not be protected. So if there's no assurance people will stay housed, whether in a single family home or duplex or multi-unit, this can also affect the type of data that you collect and the resident trust to participate in this pilot program. Um, so without assurance of renting families being protected and a right to return policy in place for all types of housing, um, my invoice is hesitant to support this proposal. Thank you. Hi, Kelly, you're on the line. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Laboyog and Supervisor Miley are using words that aren't defined in the county ordinance. Um, they are miscategorizing this program as reactive versus uh, proactive. Nobody knows what that means. The county ordinance says nothing about how to define this notion of repeat offenders and how to, what is a right of return? How is that even defined? The real issue with what we're looking at today is the county staff. It's not whether they're full-time or part-time. The issue is whether to launch uh, pell-mell, um, willy-nilly, launch an amateur program run by newbies in the planning department and in the community development agency, or run by building inspection professionals in the public works agency. These code enforcement employees that we're talking to today are, have admitted repeatedly 
Over and over again today, Mr. Leboyga said that his people are not trained and not qualified to deal with housing quality issues. And we're going to be training up employees that are amateurs as opposed to going over, you know, next door, down the hallway and going and getting the employees that are professionals. Um, these code enforcement people, they're dealing with neighborhood issues with junk cars in the front yard, in the backyard and the garbage piling up and the whole neighborhood being unsightly smelly and rat infested but that's not pipes that's not plumbing that's not uh heating and cooling that's not you know uh fire protection that's not the building the, the technical building issues you've got to train them up to uh to deal with that it's crazy when you already have employees that are qualified to do that. And a newspaper story yesterday, just yesterday, in the San Jose Mercury, the employees at farms in Half Moon Bay uh, lived in desperate, are living in desperate circumstances. Many of their homes are flimsy shacks propped up on wooden pallets. The roofs leak. There's often no running water or kitchens. But county officials right there in San Mateo, they quickly decried these living conditions. But the laws meant to ensure livable farm worker housing often went unenforced in San Mateo County, allowing farm owners to neglect their struggling workforce. This could be another ghost ship situation. Right, not there, just there in San Mateo County. What's to, who's to say that this ghost ship situation of the farm worker housing isn't happening right here in Alameda County? Well, you know, with there, nobody is worried about those people, and uh, and 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 I wonder what how the laws treat that, and even even this uh, the the laws that you put in today that attachment. Nobody can even search for the word health in the attachment. It's invisible. It's unsearchable uh, by text. Thank you. Hi, Tom. You're on the line. Good morning, everybody. This is Tom Silva. I'm a Cherry Land Rental Housing Provider and San Lorenzo resident. I stand in support of the proposal for the reactive inspection program. Uh, I'd like to call your attention to, I believe it's pages 11 through 13 of the staff attachment that outlines all the various aspects that are involved in a code inspection program and a code inspection inspection in a rental housing environment. Now, this is a good way to address complaints. And there's a lot of concern I heard earlier about retaliation. State law already protects the tenants from retaliation. We have both not only state departments, such as the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, but we also have myriad of local opportunities, all the way from Echo Housing through ACE and other organizations um, that will protect tenants. So I see this as a very good first start. I was very glad to see the third page. I was worried about outreach. <laughs> okay. You know, cause I didn't see it there, Ed, you know, uh, and, you know, I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, the rental housing community needs to be involved in, uh, educating not only rental housing consumers, but rental housing providers in this aspect. So, um, as a 43 year member of this industry, I applaud your efforts. I will do my best to make sure that they are successful. And I would urge the subcommittee to move this to the full board as soon as possible. Thank you.
Sorry if I mispronounce this. Rovi, you're on the line. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Rovi Lynn Antonio with the California Permanent Association. Our organization represents rental property owners and operators in Alameda County. Today regarding this topic and also the poor staff wow. to taking the time to meet with us to explain to us the right direction that we're taking. Um, most importantly, it's targeting the actual violators and we're not engaging in a witch hunt. Is this better now? That's a little bit better. Okay, I'll take that as a yes. No, never mind. Um, You're broken up again. One, okay, thank you. One of the things that we also support is that the, um, no, okay. Do you want me to go, can I call back in the, um, yeah, not via Zoom, but via the dial-in number and speak that way? Yeah, it looks like she already dropped. Monique, you're on the line. Hi, uh, my name is Monique Berlanga, and I am the executive director at Centro Legal de la Raza, and I'm also a tenant attorney. Um, while a rental inspection program is sorely needed in unincorporated Alameda County, I am very, very concerned about launching this pilot program if there are no strong anti-displacement measures in place, such as just cause protection, relocation, and local enforcement mechanisms to handle issues. At this point, it's truly unclear how disputes around relocation and responsibility for repair issues would be effectively addressed, even though these issues are certain to arise. Voluntary mediation is just not enough, and it's well established that local implementation support is needed in code enforcement disputes, particularly when there are time-sensitive health and safety issues where the landlord is being uncooperative and the tenant is stuck choosing between suffering with habitability problems or risking homelessness. In past meetings, supervisors have often expressed concerns over unintended consequences of passing local tenant protections. However, if this is rushed through this pilot program without adequate safeguards, the consequences will not at all be at all unexpected. It's not unexpected that landlords will refuse to provide relocation assistance or that they'll blame tenants for repair issues outside of the tenant's control. It's not unexpected that tenants will fear loss of their home when speaking out about mold, leaking, and other issues affecting their family's health, which could mean that our most vulnerable tenants will remain silent given their inability to afford a temporary or permanent move without relocation. Um, I think we all know, we're all familiar with what the housing stock is like in unincorporated Alameda County. There are lots and lots and lots of unpermitted units. Um, and, and this really could lead to just havoc if folks were suddenly, you know, all displaced en masse without the proper protections in place. Um, we again request that the Board of Supervisors consider and enact a comprehensive network of tenant protections. It's critical that adequate local protections such as just cause and rent stabilization exists side by side. We urge you to enact a strong local tenant protections before any pilot rental inspection program is launched. Um, otherwise, we cannot support this. Thank you for your time. Hi, Samantha, you're on the line. 
Hi, good afternoon. My name is Samantha Beckett, and I am a co-directing attorney at Central Legal de la Raza. I just wanted to follow up on my colleagues' comments to point out that there are still so many important questions that we need concrete answers to before uh, this ordinance should move forward, including what protections does the county intend to establish to mitigate the risk of displacement following issuance of a notice of violation or red tagging of a unit? Will robust relocation provisions be incorporated into the pilot program? How will temporary relocation be handled? For example, how will it be determined whether temporary relocation is required and how much relocation assistance the tenant is entitled to? What recourse do tenants have if a landlord refuses to provide relocation assistance in a timely way other than an affirmative lawsuit that may not be an option for low-income tenants? Will tenants have a clear right of return to a unit after temporary relocation for repairs and how will corresponding rights be enforced, such as instances where a landlord does not allow return to the unit or imposes an unlawful rent increase? What is the threshold for red tagging and what safeguards will be in place to assist tenants who may face homelessness due to red tagging of a unit? Again, it is very important to get clear answers on these questions and have them built into the language of the ordinance uh, to a to mitigate any risk of displacement and retaliation by tenants. Um, therefore, we caution against proceeding with this program without addressing these important questions and without passing important comprehensive tenant protections in unincorporated Alameda County. We appreciate your staff's careful consideration of these concerns and we look forward to continuing to discuss this important issue with you. Thank you. Hi, Julio, you're on the line. Hi, good morning, supervisors and staff. My name is Julio Contreras, and I am a community organizer with My Eden Voice. I grew up in the Cherryland and Hayward uh, area border. I have family and friends living in Cherryland, Ashland, San Lorenzo, Castro Valley, and also work with many tenants in the area. The poor habitability and living conditions is very apparent in, in these areas. Um, and I just want to remind folks that this is an environmental justice issue, and this is uh, the EPA confirmed that environmental racism is real. So I just, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge that and to make this a real big focus because, uh, for example, reports found that uh, Black people are exposed to 1.5 times more particulate matter than white people and Hispanics at 1.2 higher rates, um, and that there's extreme poverty uh, in, in these communities, and this leads to other health effects. The 2015 Ashland and Cherryland Community Health and Wellness Element found that there was lower life expectancy, higher mortality rates, even higher than in Oakland. Cherryland and Ashland had some of the highest rates of overcrowding in Alameda County and in California. Overall, persons residing in the unincorporated remained it, uh, reminder have the highest rates of reporting housing problems. Um, and also, there's two-thirds of the housing units in an unincorporated area may contain lead poisoning, uh, lead-based paint, sorry. Um, and an estimate 39% of children under six with asthma um, nationwide are impacted by exposures of indoor air hazards in their homes. Um, I'm bringing all these up uh, because um, I share similar concerns as, as uh, Leo, Monique, and others uh, as far as how... Uh, renters aren't protected enough against retribution from landlords. So not only are folks living in, in horrible conditions and more stressed conditions, but there's also retribution and there's uh, reactions from the landlords that has, you know, hopefully this program will be able to capture some of those um, stories. Um, but one of my 
folk, what's something that I do want to highlight is the importance of reparations and the importance of the supervisors. It's your responsibility um, to really do something about this and to prevent gentrification and to prevent this disaster and what is devastating our communities. Um, the county, as you, as folks have, as um, Edward had mentioned, doesn't have a right to return clauses um, or funds to help property owners. Um, and so thus just cause is really important and really needed. Um, it's This is not a natural phenomenon. Uh, this is not a random coincidence. Um, people are dying due to higher asthma rates, cardiological issues, uh, higher COVID-19 rates. And this is just a really, uh, a really important matter. So please make sure you pass comprehensive um, rental protections and uh, these rental inspection programs without right to return policy and clear written protections for renting families against no cause evictions. Um, I'm also hesitant to support this proposal. Thank you. Hi, 925, you're on the line. Nine two five, you're still muted. Hi, is this better? Hello. Can you guys? Hello, can you guys hear me? Yeah, that's better. Okay, thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Again, this is Rosie Antonio with the California Apartment Association. Um, I just wanted to thank the board for the opportunity to speak today. Um, we feel like this is moving into the right direction. Um, we feel like this is um, not establishing a new bureaucracy, but putting importance in targeting the actual violators of these code issues and not using um, taxpayers' funds to engage in a win witch hunt. The one thing that we also support is that the, um, that the county could take in complaints from not just the residents, but also the neighboring residents. And that's important to us because this would definitely help prevent neighborhood blight. A few things of clarification I wanted to bring up is that um, upon our meeting with Mr. Labayog, um, and I believe with Mr. Larry Brooks, we did talk about a relocation assistance that the state currently have um, when a property is red tagged. So that is a benefit that um, Alameda County residents still have that's outside from 1482. It talks about temporary relocation assistance as well as a schedule of payment of how much they would receive, and I believe it's two months' rent, if they are um, displaced because of the property is red tagged. In the state law, there's also an anti-retaliation law that protects residents if a landlord harasses them or takes action after they were to submit um, complaints to code enforcement about any repairs or code issues. The other areas that we would like to also um, work with staff on is identifying a, a mechanism to resolve situations when the unit is red tagged, but the but it was the tenants that caused the unit to be red tagged. We are still looking through the uh, the thirty page report to identify where we could find that area, um, and so we're hoping to do that before this comes to, to the board um, in the coming months. Um, regarding outreach, a hundred percent, please. Um, Enlist Our Health would be happy to provide outreach and help um, talk about this new program and let other property owners know about it. I'm happy to talk about reconciliation on state law on the relocation assistance program that we have under both in 1482, but also in the other state provisions that um, provides relocation payments to 
um, to residents when the property unit is red tagged. Thank you so much. And all the speakers? Yeah, can you? I think Michelle wanted to speak. Michelle, you're on the line. Hi, supervisors. Thank you so much. I just wanted to say that um, as part of the work we've been doing on the tenant protection package, this program, it's not an ordinance, but a program was intended to go hand in hand with the rest of the package, including an expanded just cause protection program that covered. Um, households that live in single-family homes um, rather than uh, at condominiums and townhomes rather than just folks that lived in multifamily rental properties. Um, our ordinance includes additional relocation benefits beyond what the state law allows. Two months of rent is insufficient for someone to actually go out and find a new home, especially when they're being faced with much higher rents than probably what they were able to achieve when they first rented the unit. As you all know, um, AB 1482 has allowed almost a 24% rent increase over the last three years. And so someone who is renting something that they might've achieved in 2015, if they were to go out and look for a new unit today, they could be paying as much as $1,000 more a month or even $1,200 more a month to try and obtain a new unit. So it's critically important that when we're looking at how to protect the tenants, we are looking at a comprehensive package. So the Just Cause Protection Ordinance that um, we've had a first reading of is intended to protect tenants who are having their units examined and um, make sure that they are able to um, return to that unit if they've had to move out for a relocation purpose. Uh, it provides for three months of, uh, of relocation rather than two. Um, it doesn't go above that unless there are children in the unit or um, elderly in the unit. And then there's some additional protections there. So I'm happy to answer any questions about how these things go hand in hand. Um, but I did want to just respond that when the tenants say they're concerned about this, it's a real concern. If you have state just cause and it, the unit becomes red tagged or there must be a repair, what that means is that the landlord can then immediately evict the tenant regardless of whether or not um, they meet the just cause rules. And if they repair the unit, they can offer the unit back but at a, a extremely higher rates of rent. And this is what we're trying to protect for with the Just Cause Ordinance. Thank you. I'm Hi, Larry, you're on the line. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Larry Brooks, Alameda County Healthy Homes Department. Uh, I just want to commend Albert and Ed and Michelle on uh, the work they're doing uh, with regards to this tenant complaint response program and, and in regards to uh, Michelle's department. Uh, working with us to provide the uh, minor home repairs that will also be part of that program. 
Uh, it, it may look as if uh, the agency is way behind on this because Ed mentioned the fact that Assembly Bill 838 became law in July. Uh, but the reality is we we are ahead of the curve. Uh, again, I commend them because they've been talking about this uh, for years, long before Assembly Bill 838 became law. Uh, many other cities and counties are contacting me as a member of the board of directors for the California Association of Code Enforcement. Um, and they are reeling, they are stressed because they don't have tenant complaint response programs. And now it is the law. And so many of them are trying to figure out how they're going to pay for those programs. And yet we are blessed in that we have these ARPA funds to at least get the program started. Some of those other jurisdictions are one in particular. I won't, I, I will uh, talk to President Miley, I believe, about this more as he joins the Lead Poisoning Prevention Board, because there are some jurisdictions that are now making the argument that maybe lead poisoning prevention funds should be used uh, to fund tenant complaint response programs. And, and we do have a legal opinion that says that those CSA dollars can't be used for that. But that's just an example of, I think, how many cities and counties are going to be scrambling, looking for ways to pay for their programs because they don't want to end up like some counties like the one where I started my career in code enforcement, Sacramento County was sued for not having a tenant complaint response program years ago. Uh, and my fear is, as I hear from other cities and counties uh, who are calling me as a member of the California Association of Code Enforcement and saying they may not be able to start up a tenant complaint response program. My fear is that history will repeat itself and those cities and counties will end up being sued. So uh, again, I just commend um, my, my colleagues there in planning and HCD for really being ahead of the curve with this um, this proposal and um, uh, looking forward to Healthy Homes Department providing the minor home repairs for the rental housing providers. Thank you. Hi, Ethan, you're on the line. Hi, everyone. This is Ethan Silverstein. I am a tenant attorney with ACE, uh, the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. Uh, I know I'm probably starting to sound like a broken record here, uh, but if you are concerned about displacement, if you're truly concerned about displacement, there is one and only one acceptable policy fix, and that is a strong local just cause ordinance that has the right to return following repairs at the same rent. That's the only way to do it. We can rack our heads and say, well, maybe someone has something else, but, but why? Why would we do that when we already know the answer? And the only reason is we just want to, you know, not have landlords be regulated. And hey, if that's the position of the board, that's the position of the board. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm here to talk about code enforcement. Um, a lot of folks are throwing out uh, some assertions about what state law does and does not do. I'd really ask when people throw out those assertions that they be scrutinized and, you know, the, there'll be a follow-up question. Why is it enough? Uh, for example, people saying, well, state law protects against harassment. Okay, well, well, how? How does it protect against harassment? The answer is not very well. Like, of course, it's illegal to harass someone, you know, but is the tenant going to get a restraining order? Uh, what are the penalties under the state harassment law? 
maximum penalty is $2,000, I believe. And it's a penalty. It's as high as you can get under state law. It's not an effective harassment law. Uh, I've heard, you know, oh, Ace is here. They'll take care of it. <laughs> you know, we, we take care of everything we can. And, you know, we are a powerful force, but we cannot deal with every single tenant problem out there. Uh, folks say, well, well, AB 1482 will we'll do it. It's, it's not true. Bad conditions are a justification for eviction under AB 1482 if a property is covered. In unincorporated Alameda County, 76% of properties are single-family homes, which are not covered under AB 1482. So not only does AB 1482 not work and allows evictions for bad conditions, but most of the properties in unincorporated Alameda County are not even subject to AB 1482. So a landlord can just say, you need to leave just because, uh, not, not a just cause, a just because, just because get out of here, just because I don't want to do my job as a landlord, just because I don't want to do repairs, just because I don't like you, or worse, just, just because I'm racist and I'm discriminating or I'm retaliating against you because you called the county, because you called code enforcement, and now I'm mad at you, so get out. Um, that's the behavior you're gonna be rubber stamping here. So with that, I'll uh, close my comments. There are no other speakers. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna thank all the speakers who spoke both sides as well as the county staff who spoke. I have some comments to make and and maybe a few questions, but before I make my comments and questions, I'll turn to Supervisor um, Howard first. No, I thank uh, everyone as well for uh, chiming in. Uh, indeed, we've uh, talked uh, through these issues uh, for uh, a number of months and years through different co committees, uh, and um, we have to be committed to taking uh, some action. Uh, I, I do know that it's a balancing act. I think we're gonna be looking very closely at all sides and um, coming up with the best uh, decisions that we can make. Um, it su is super important that we keep people uh, housed, that we keep people housed fairly, uh, that if uh, a, a change is to be made, that it's done in a fair uh, way for, for all. Um, and uh, that's all about code enforcement. Uh, it's all about uh, tenant uh, rights and protections, uh, and it's about uh, respecting uh, property rights of landlords. So it's a balancing act. We're going to uh, uh, make make those decisions accordingly. I think that um, uh, moving this on to the next step is super important. Thank you, Supervisor Howard. I want to basically associate myself with those comments, but I've got other comments I want to make as well. But before I do that. Let me ask Ed. Um, uh, Leo pointed out the situation of this uh, tenant. Now, I can't understand. Why can't we address that? I mean, if the tenants live, he pointed out a, a real gross situation based on the storms and any other. Now, I don't understand what is prohibiting the county from addressing that. Uh, yeah, during the big storms, I don't know if uh, it's one of the cases that we received, but we did receive a handful of cases where there was flooding occurred. And um, our role was to contact the owner, uh, figure out what's going on. They have to deal with their insurance company. 
And in some cases, they already started removing the damaged sheet rock and started drying out the, the, the unit. But then uh, when it came to the tenant um, getting put in the hotel, we really didn't have anything um, to help them with because we don't have any uh, regulations in the county. Uh, so we asked them to uh, contact um, uh, legal support services like um, Echo Housing or um, East Bay Law Center to get that uh, legal support that they need. A lot of times just them trying to get that support and then those folks interact with the property owner, they understand what their rights and responsibilities are and they've done it. So uh, two cases that I had where the owner put the tenants in a hotel temporarily until they got the we told the owner, you need a permit, even if you're just replacing sheetrock. And we monitored the case and they, they actually completed it and moved the tenant back in. So that's another role we have is just to kind of be in the middle and, and put the tenant and the landlord together, letting them know that, you know, what their rights, roles and responsibilities are. And we've been successful doing that. Um, and if, if, if anything else falls on the wayside where the owner doesn't really want to do anything, uh, there's nothing in place for us to help them, but they have to take um, uh, legal action against the owner to do that. I do know um, damage as a result of the storm. The county is now part of the disaster, uh, major disaster declaration, and um, the uh, tenant and or landlord can uh, file a claim. Okay. And if they don't have that information, where to file the claim, uh, we should get that information to them so they can file a claim. And then I know there'll be a, a center, a FEMA center opening up in Pleasanton and Oakland to receive uh, claims as well. But people don't have to wait until those centers open up to file their claim. And this is storm related. If yeah. What Leo described was storm related. Now we have the whole situation beyond storm related and, and issues that are of, of concern as well. Um, but yeah, I think Leo's brought that, that scenario up in the past. Um, so I just wanted to flag that for a moment. And I just wanna, uh, I'm gonna speak very honestly and, and directly. And people might not like it, but I'm gonna speak honestly and directly. Both sides are polarized on this issue the issue of landlord-tenant, and the issue of tenant rights. As Supervisor Howard pointed out, I think our responsibility as elected officials is to balance the, the equities, recognizing that we need to enact good public policy, good government, good regulations that serve the public interest. I've said all along, there are provisions in just costs that I support. There are provisions I don't support. I abstained on that ordinance. Three of my colleagues supported the ordinance. The ordinance should have gone for its second reading already, but it's been delayed. Have I delayed it? No, I have not delayed it. A second reading could have taken place. It could be the law. Who knows what the other supervisor is going to do, but it could have been the law. 
And if it isn't the law and it went down, then maybe we could be working on something that I feel I could support relative to just cause. And just because you don't get everything you want doesn't mean you're not, you're not getting some things that are going to be helpful. My attitude is always, let's not let perfect be the enemy of the good. Let's continue to advance. People might disagree that what we want to do is not sufficient. Well, I'm not convinced it's not sufficient until I have the data and information. I'm not here to please the front, the landlords. I'm not here to please the tenants. I'm here to please the public and do what I think is right as an elected official based on my values. People speak importantly, talk about racists and this, that, and the other. I mean, I've experienced racism. I've been a tenant. I've said I've been a landlord. I'm neither now. And I'm really tired that we haven't been able to get to acting on the second reading. Either the second reading goes through or it doesn't go through. If it doesn't go through, then we can be working to craft something that can go through that's going to provide some additional protections. And it might not be everything everybody who's on one polar end of the spectrum wants, but it's going to be something more than what we maybe have in place at the moment that's going to help with this, this particular program that we're trying to advance. So for some people to argue we shouldn't advance this, I think that's inappropriate. Because we haven't, I know I haven't delayed it, and I don't think Supervisor Halbert's delayed it. I support the, moving this pilot forward. And if the just cause doesn't get enacted the way the tenants and the, the activists who are supporting the tenants want it to be enacted, then I'm going to support working on what I think would be an appropriate just cause ordinance. And it might not be what you want, but it's going to be what I can support. And if I can get two other votes for them, then we'll put that in place. People raise Oakland as an example. I live in Oakland. How many of you have lived in Oakland? I've lived in Oakland since the 70s. If you think Oakland's good government, well, look at all the problems in Oakland. Oakland frustrates me. So when you compare us to Oakland, I want to put in place what I think would be appropriate for governance in the unincorporated area. Spend more than 20 years working as a county supervisor in the corporate area, trying to understand the issues and the problems and trying to put appropriate laws into place. I'm not Johnny come lately to these situations. I supported organizing my Eden voice so the tenants in the community would have a voice, so they wouldn't be uh, disempowered, so they would be empowered. But it doesn't mean I'm going to support everything they come up with, but I do want them to have a voice. I've been very clear about that. For somebody to say, well, we don't want to regulate landlords. I'll regulate anybody, but I'm going to regulate them according to what I think is appropriate. Now, I'm not hired to represent tenants. I'm not hired to represent landlords. I'm hired by the public to represent the public interest. And I will do that to the best of my ability. But we have not delayed just cause. We have not delayed the rental registry. Others have delayed just cause. Others have delayed the rental registry. And yes, if those ordinances go through, I'm prepared to live with them as they have been enacted by a majority of the Board of Supervisors. If they don't go through, I'm prepared to work on what I think would be appropriate. But what frustrates me is we can't move forward. We haven't been able to move forward since the beginning of the year. And now we're in February, won't get to it until the end of February. And hopefully we'll get to it by the end of February. 
One speaker talked about, well, our staff can't do these inspections. Trust me, I've been a city council person in Oakland. We have inspectors in Oakland who are combo inspectors. They can do multiple, multiple types of inspector inspections. They can be trained to do this. Combo inspections. So to say that edge people can't be trained, it's a big mistake. And if, if I misunderstood what you said, I want to make, I want to apologize for that, but I want to specifically say inspectors can be trained to be combo inspectors to do all sorts of inspections and do them professionally and appropriately. People speak, talk about, well, this ordinance, we, or we move this program forward, it's going to have displacement issues. Yeah, it's going to have displacement issues. But have I delayed us trying to put something in place that might protect tenants? No, I have not delayed it. And I'm not going to delay this ordinance because we haven't gotten the other piece in, or this program, because we have got, haven't gotten the other piece in place. And maybe there'll be three votes to delay this, too, when it comes to the board. Uh, whenever it comes to the board, maybe it'll be three votes or it's not three votes. Maybe somebody will pull it and continue this for another two weeks and then continue it for another two weeks. And so we will we, we'll have we won't work act on this for, you know, April or May or something. I don't know. But yes, if you're hearing frustration, it's because I am extremely frustrated, extremely frustrated. And I feel I have a right to be frustrated. As a black man. As someone who lives in Oakland, who's somebody who's represented on incorporated for more than 20 years, who feels I have a good handle on the situations of my constituents, to be frustrated like this and to have this stuff constantly thrown in my face is very frustrating. Very frustrating. So I'm going to support moving this forward. We'll see whether it gets we get the vote on this when it gets to the full board or whether this too gets delayed. If it gets delayed, fine. We'll delay this. Hopefully, we'll get to work on just cause. If it gets approved, as it is, it gets approved. If it doesn't, then we'll work on trying to put in place what I think would be something appropriate for the unincorporated area. Same thing with rental registry, the same thing with fair chance, and the same thing with other aspects of tenant protections. What you consider comprehensive, I might not consider comprehensive. But what I do consider is we need to address the problem from my perspective as the elected official, as somebody who's worked on these issues, as somebody who understands his community. Because I don't, you know, I'm not Johnny come lately to this stuff. I've been in the community for a long time, and I've worked to support my invoice and get them organized. And But for COVID, we probably would have moved forward with something, but for COVID. But for the infinite wisdom of the Board of Supervisors and having a, a eviction moratorium in place, which we haven't been able to address, that's caused other problems, we could have moved forward as well. So, yes, I'm extremely frustrated by all this landlord-tenant uh, matters. And finally, I'll say this. Landlord-tenant matters are not the only thing, as a county supervisor, I'm working on. I have a plethora of items that I'm trying to address. And it's not just landlord-tenant. And it's not to say these issues aren't important. Landlord-tenant issues aren't important. They are. But there are multiple multiplicity of other issues I'm working on that are equally as important. But I want to vote on this and move it forward one way or the other. So people might not like what I have to say. This is public. But I'm going to say what I said because I'm totally annoyed 
with the situation that I continue to find ourselves in around these issues of landlord-tenant and the polarization. And it came out again today at this committee meeting. So, Supervisor Howard, I think we have consensus to move this to the full board. I think we need to, Supervisor Miley. I also want to reinforce what you said about um, the, the need to uh, keep things into perspective. We've got a lot of things that we're working on. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, indeed, uh, we have to sift through the different voices uh, of the community. We have to make sure that we are uh, exhibiting uh, good governance for everyone. Um, I note that uh, there's a big difference between uh, being uh, somebody that is a voice, somebody that is um, an activist, uh, and somebody that is uh, exhibiting sort of a special interest type uh, uh, feeling. Um, we're not here for special interest. We're here for everyone. And uh, I think you said it very, very, very well. And uh, indeed, we have to look around at what best in class is, what the state of California is saying, uh, and uh, um, and make decisions accordingly. I, I also agree. We've been wanting to get uh, this on for quite some time. It keeps getting delayed, not by you or me, but by others. So uh, let's let's make progress uh, where we can. So thank you very much for your leadership uh, throughout. Um, I, I'm amazed at your um, uh, knowledge, your experience, your lived experience. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, and uh, just keep uh, on keeping on. I, I really appreciate you. And um, thank you for... Um, bring this item and let's get on with it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Sometimes I think people forget. Yeah, I was a tenant. Sometimes people forget. I was a landlord. I'm neither of those. Guess people don't forget I'm black. And I've experienced discrimination, racism. But I'm in a position to govern. And I don't govern just for one side or the other. I have to govern. I, you know, I tend to try to look at things practically and advance an agenda. And once again, let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I appreciate people lobbying and pushing from their perspective. That's what they're supposed to do, but that's not what I'm supposed to do. And it frustrates me that we can't even act on these matters. And I know you share that frustration. So um, Albert and Ed, you guys heard a mouthful. I just want to say, Ed, and I would just want you to hear this. Ed did some good work on this. I really feel this is good work. Thank you. I hope I hope the board takes it up, and I hope we get the vote on it on this program, and it's not delayed. Thank you, supervisors. At the same time, we vote on this. Hopefully, we'll get to a place where we can vote on some of those other things that have caused us concern about this particular program, like displacement, like relocation, like retaliation, et cetera. All right. Let's go to the next item. I guess Supervisor Halbert wanted me to chair this meeting. It's going to be the, have to be the, the voice of- You got the broad shoulders there, Nate. Broad <laughs> shoulders. Keep yeah. us going. All right. Okay. So our next item is um, South Livermore Valley Plan. Yes. Uh, another initiative of the planning department um, is out in East County, um, different part of the county on this one. And so there are, there's a number of- uh, I would say activities and uh, you know uh, items that we're trying to accomplish in South Livermore, uh, not just in you know post uh, the last election, the Measure D item that was approved 
and will be implemented um, um, you know, this year, but also a number of other items that are being brought forth from the brought forward from the community uh, and uh, uh, the industries out there wanting to see changes in our development code to make things a little easier and also to implement the vision of the South Livermore plan, which um, is still something that is under development. And so um, there's a number of items we want to talk to you this morning about. Uh, Liz McKellicott will be uh, presenting the report to you, and then we'll be here available for any questions that you may have on our next steps. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Liz, and uh, again, we're here for questions afterwards. Good morning, Supervisors. I'm Liz McElligott from the County Planning Department. Uh, and uh, as Albert said, I'm here to give you uh, uh, an update on um, where we are with our implementation of um, both uh, Measure D, which just passed uh, on November 8th of last year, and also uh, several amendments uh, to the uh, uh, the uh, policies and, and zoning ordinance uh, as it applies to the South Livermore Valley area. So starting out with the uh, amendments to uh, ECAP and Castro Valley General Plan to implement Measure D. Uh, just a reminder, um, uh, Measure D did uh, amend the East County Area Plan and the Castro Valley General Plan. In the East County Area Plan, it revised the uh, description for the land, large parcel agriculture land use designation um, there uh, by adding um, uh, 0.025 FAR for agricultural buildings. And this is in addition to the 0.01 FAR um, that was already allowed for non-residential buildings. Um, and it also um, added a 0.025 for covered uh, equestrian riding arenas, um, <clears throat> uh, allowing at least 20,000 square feet um, on smaller parcels and up to 60,000 square feet on larger parcels. It also amended the resource management land use designation. Uh, for resource management, um, they uh, properties with that designation are not um, uh, given the, the 0.025 for uh, agricultural buildings, but they do um, the, the uh, additional 0.025 for covered equestrian riding arenas doesn't apply to them. Measure D also amended uh, Appendix A of the Castor Valley General Plan, uh, adding the same um, 0.025 for uh, equestrian riding arenas. Since the Castor Valley Canyon lands are uh, designated resource management. There are also some tables in the back of uh, East County Area Plan that make reference to uh, the floor area ratios that are allowed uh, in the various designations. So those tables will also be updated. 
and just a, a quick overview, um, you can see that the, the square footage allowed for residential and residential accessory uses was not changed um, by the, the more recent Measure D. Uh, that stayed at 12,000 square feet per parcel. Um, the 0.01 FAR for non-residential buildings uh, didn't change. Um, that is still allowed. And um, uh, I want to note that non-residential buildings include agricultural buildings. Uh, Measure D did add uh, the 0.025 floor area ratio um, only for agricultural buildings. So if you um, uh, add the, the 0.01 to the 0.025, that allows uh, up to 0.035 uh, floor area ratio um, with the, the non-residential and the ag building um, square footage combined. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the addition uh, of the 0.025 for covered arenas um, for the, the total square footage for some uh, example parcel sizes um, in uh, East County. For resource management, they do not, um, the parcels with this designation are, are not eligible for the 0.025 for um, for a, a, a additional agricultural buildings, but um, uh, they are eligible for the uh, additional 0.025 FAR for um, covered equestrian arenas. And so you can see the, the square footage that's allowed, the total square footage for various uh, parcel sizes. Uh, another, uh, uh, amendment that we're looking at um, to uh, carry through with the uh, amendments that we need to do to uh, implement Measure D is uh, the addition of an ag building definition for um, the, the zoning ordinance. Um, there was originally discussion of adding the, um, the, the building code definition um, to the zoning code. Um, but in uh, February of 2021, the Ag Advisory Committee recommended uh, that it, some revisions be considered to this definition. Uh, and I want to point out that the, um, the definition that was included in the staff memo for this item today was incorrect. I copied and pasted the wrong definition. So this is the correct definition that uh, was proposed to add to the, the zoning ordinance. Um, and you'll note that um, it includes olives, nuts, hops, wine, or other horticultural products um, in bins, tanks, barrels, case goods, or other storage vessels. Um, the structure shall allow for the processing, treatment, packing, packaging and storage of agricultural and horticultural products. Um, the structure shall not be a place of human habitation, nor shall it be a place used by the public or for social events. Uh, so this is the uh, ag building definition that um, has been proposed for inclusion in the, the zoning ordinance. So the tentative schedule 
for uh, the general plan amendments um, to implement Measure D and also the zoning ordinance to add the, the ag building definition um, is uh, to take the um, the amendments to the Planning Commission on February 21st. Um, and uh, if all goes well there, uh, to the uh, Board of Supervisors for a public hearing on March 9th. Uh, uh, that would be for the uh, general plan amendments and also the first reading of the zoning ordinance amendment, uh, second reading of the zoning ordinance on April 13th. And uh, the um, assuming that the, your board approves uh, the, the ordinance, uh, it would go to it would go into effect on May 13th. Uh, in March of 2022, uh, staff received a letter from TVC, uh, which included a, a list of proposed amendments to ECAP and the zoning ordinance to promote the development of economically sustainable agricultural operations in the South Livermore Valley. And these uh, <clears throat> amendments are provided in uh, an a, attachment to your staff memo. Two of the amendments proposed by TVC would be addressed by the um, the previously discussed amendments, uh, and that is uh, uh, a new policy AAA, which is on page three of the TVC memo, um, which uh, would um, in the large parcel agriculture designation would add the 0.025 FAR for agricultural buildings in addition to the 0.01 FAR for non-residential buildings. Uh, and then also the uh, new agricultural building definition um, that it is uh, going to be brought to you uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, other amendments will require some, these are the, the amendments um, proposed by TVC will require some additional analysis and, and time to prepare resolutions and ordinance language so they can be considered by your, the planning commission and your board. Um, so uh, staff proposes that we begin working on these additional amendments in April uh, after completion of the draft housing element for presentation to the planning commission, your committee and the board of supervisors over the, the summer months. So that is uh, my presentation. I'm happy to answer questions or take your comments. Okay, thank you for the report. See if Supervisor Halbert has any questions or comments first. He's seeing none at the moment. Yeah, I just want to thank you, Liz, for uh, the report today and all of your work that you've done on um, Measure D over the decade, you know, more than a decade. And now we're going into the second phase since the ordinance, um, uh, the amendment was passed by the, by the electorate. It took us a long time to get to this place, but now we're moving into the next phase. So I'm eager to have us advance this phase forward so we can begin to maybe uh, reap the, um, the benefits uh, 
this, uh, this new uh, ordinance and how it's going to um, uh, support the equine industry and the wine industry and other ag-related uh, uh, businesses uh, in the unincorporated uh, area as well. So I just want to publicly acknowledge you, which I've done in the past and which I'll continue to do. So thank you. Thank you. So unless Supervisor Halbert has anything, we'll go to the speakers at, at this point in time. So we can call the speakers and speakers get three minutes. Hi, Lori, you're on the line. Well, good morning, Honorable Supervisors and staff. I'm Lori Souza, the chair of the board of the Tri-Valley Conservancy. I want to express my support for the recommendation from the planning director. I appreciate that he and his team are dedicated to this important policy work and are delivering on the priority items as you have previously directed them. As you've heard from me in the past, the viticulture industry in the East County is endangered with a fragile economy. Our farmers will be making decisions over the next few years as to whether they will replant wine grapes on most of our cultivated acreage, which makes these amendments very timely. We're taking decisive steps to attract more investment into the region, and the recent passage of the sewer extension ballot measure illustrates the level of support from Livermore residents with a 66% approval. These amendments under your consideration, which we've requested, are essential to making the South Lomar Valley Area Plan a reality as originally envisioned by the Board of Supervisors. Our intent is to make this precious agriculture preserve more economically sustainable by adding clarity to this planning language. I thank you. Hi, Kelly, you're on the line. Yeah, I'd like to just remind everybody that another key element of the of protection of our agricultural lands is the Williamson Act and your county staff has proven incapable of uh, of enforcing the Williamson Act, uh, you know, people who pave over and grade and uh, put, install hard-packed gravel on nine acres in Sonol, uh, they're, they're, the only concept of uh, Williamson Act enforcement seems to be uh, structural. There's no, there's nothing about paving, nothing about destruction of agricultural land. So uh, in the minds of your staff, the uh, people who destroy the agricultural land are perfectly okay to receive Williamson Act coverage. Um, and I'd like to also thank the Tri-Valley Conservancy for all the work they're doing to protect our uh, South Livermore vineyards. And that's exactly what needs to be done here, protect the South Livermore Valley. Uh, but this, uh, what you were seeing here today is the camel's nose under the tent. The camel's nose of expanding and loosening and allowing more development on agricultural lands needs to be done in the large parcel agricultural regions of the South Livermore Valley, defined by the South Livermore Valley uh, area plan, uh, but not expanded all over the county to Castor Valley Canyon lands, to Sinol, to, uh, to everywhere, Altamont, everywhere. Um, that this is uh, the kind of expansion, unwarranted uh, expansion of uh, of, of uh, stripping of protections. That's a very dangerous thing, and needs. To, and I and I'm going to oppose it. 
um, at, at everywhere outside of the South Lamar Valley. Also, there's a confusion uh, that your staff has had for many years between agricultural buildings. Uh, they see no distinction. They can't distinguish between agricultural buildings and event centers, tasting rooms, restaurants, banquet halls, and antique car museums. Just they 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 think that a fancy uh, a fancy barn. Is the same uh, is uh, they see you no know, is uh, is the same as a banquet hall. Um, what what needs to be done is uh, to to not play around with these definitions and only do these changes in the South Livermore Valley area only in order to truly uh, uh, to focus these the improvements on the South Livermore Valley where concentrated entertainment, concentrated agriculture, concentrated production needs to be taking place, not, uh, not do it everywhere. Thank you. Hi, Mr. Schneider, you're on the line. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, supervisors. Um, <clears throat> this is Dick Schneider. I'm glad you're moving forward with the zoning amendments uh, to ensure consistency of the zoning ordinance with Measure D 2022, as well as with the amendments proposed for the Tri Valley by the Tri Valley Conservancy for the South Livermore Valley Area Plan. <clears throat> they add much needed and very reasonable specificity to the general provisions of the South Livermore Valley Plan that was adopted in 1993. I also want to thank you for promptly addressing the need for the zoning ordinance <clears throat> to be consistent with the general plan as amended by Measure D 2022. And I emphasize the word promptly. I wish I could say the same thing happened when Measure D 2000 was enacted. The zoning ordinance has never been updated to ensure its consistency with that general plan amendment. Government Code Section 65860 subsection C states, in the event that a zoning ordinance becomes inconsistent with a general plan by reason of amendment to the plan or to any element of the plan, the zoning ordinance shall be amended within a reasonable time so that it is consistent with the general plan as amended." Close quote. It's been 22 years and that has not happened. On March 4th, 2002, then County Planning Staff, Chris Bazar, Bruce Jensen and Anna Marie Deaston advised the County Planning Commission on the effect of initiative measure D on county policy. Among other things, they pointed out explicitly, quote, land use policies for the resource management and large parcel agriculture designations are more restrictive. This change will affect land, use, land uses on parcels so designated and will require changes to the zoning ordinance, close quote. It's been 21 years since this analysis was presented and the A, Agriculture District has not been updated for consistency with these more restrictive policies. Indeed, except for microbreweries, the same zoning applies in both the RM and the LPA designations, yet Measure D2000 enacted different policies for parcels so designated. With this update to the zoning ordinance to ensure consistency with Measure D 2022, it's time to make the amendments to ensure consistency with Measure D 2000. I respectfully ask that this be part of the direction you give staff today. Thank you. Hello, David, you're on the line. Hi, good morning and thank you supervisors and staff for moving this forward. And apologies for my voice. 
I'm allergic to my dog and sometimes some days are worse than others. I'm speaking today on behalf of the Friends of Livermore. We're very pleased that Measure D was passed by the voters and we are glad to have had some small part in helping it do so. This measure will help rural landowners, particularly those who are part of the South Livermore Valley Area Plan, as well as those involved in the equestrian businesses to be more successful in their rural agricultural work. This initiative amended the original Measure D from 2000, and it is an example of how multiple stakeholders can come together and make an important difference that was clearly supported by the voters. Today's meeting that will enable the county to align these amendments to the original Measure D by adjusting the underlying zoning is a critical step to ensure the straightforward implementation of the stakeholders and voters' intentions. These adjustments to the underlying zoning code are also required by government code. And I'm just going to agree with Dick Snyder for a minute here. Um, unfortunately, this important and required step was never taken for the significant changes the voters asked for when the original Measure D was passed in 2000. Not addressing this two decades ago has caused significant and unnecessary confusion with landowners, developers, county staff, and elected officials, along with delays and frustrations in approving projects in rural East County. And again, this also violates Government Code 6586OC. So it's time for the county to amend their general plan zoning ordinances to line up with the voter approved Measure D from 2000. We request that today is an excellent opportunity for the supervisors to start the process of instructing staff to finally make the necess these necessary changes so that the original Measure D is reflected in the general plan zoning for Alameda County. We encourage you to take this under consideration. Thank you. Hi, Tamara, you're on the line. Hi, thank you. I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Yes, I'm Tamara Royce, I'm representing Friends of Open Space and Vineyards today. I'm not going to take up much of your time, but I do feel... Um, I want to reiterate that our organization also supported these amendments to both the South Livermore plan and to Measure D and the ballot measure, and we're very happy to see them um, coming together and moving forward, particularly where, you know, the county wanted to wait, the staff wanted to wait until the um, all of this was able to be handled at one time. Why? Because it's convenient, right? It's convenient to implement the changes about South Livermore that have been ready to go for a year and then um, have them be done at the same time we change everything because of these new Measure D amendments. And I think the ag building definition is much clearer and will provide more clarity for what kind of uses are acceptable for ag build, to be an ag building and get a larger building uh, floor area ratio. Uh, that being said, I think that the comments that I'm hearing from Dick Schneider make a lot of sense. It's been 20-something um, years since Measure D was passed, and we have not gotten those amendments in that um, pertain to the changes in land use designations. It seems like, given that staff is going to be looking at more changes in April, uh, towards uh, South Livermore plan that this would be an excellent time to uh, move the uh, broader amendments to the zoning ordinance uh, forward and get those done so that we can be 
uh, have a comprehensive, uh, consistent zoning ordinance. Uh, now, rather than deferring it anymore for for any length of time. Thank you. Hi, Carl, you're on the line. Hi, Carl Wente here. I serve as the chairman of the Ag Advisory Committee, um, as well as the vice uh, chair of the Livermore Valley Wine Growers Association. I'd like to thank everybody, uh, friends of Livermore, friends of Open Space, Dick Schneider, the Tri-Valley Conservancy, everyone that's been pushing this forward, the county staff, Liz, great partner on the, as I'm chairing the AAC, we're just trying to drive all of this forward. Um, the significant delays have hurt wine country, and uh, we are just very much looking forward to getting this, getting it aligned, getting the zoning, zoning amendments done, and especially the clustering provisions program 125, because the South Valley area plan was allowed some additional um, some additional programs to allow for the attraction of wineries of various sizes and wine country amenities. And the reality is, is this has not happened. Our wine is holding on by a thread. So just so very much looking forward to this moving forward. Um, you know, section six of measure D 2000, the South Valley area plan, this ordinance shall not supersede or change the provisions of the South Valley area plan, um, which was applied in February of 2000. And then also under the large parcel ag piece, it says the South Livermore Valley area plan, different provisions may apply. So I think we are realizing and acknowledging that South Valley area plan was set up, different provisions may apply and measure D did not supersede. So as it relates to the zoning ordinance modifications and the ECAP modifications to make sure that the clustering provisions, which incorrectly says single family home clustering provisions, but rather should be just the clustering provisions as uh, Mr. Schneider has acknowledged and I think brought forth to the TBC. So all of that to wine country is failing. We're, we're on a cliff and it was envisioned that we would have the ability to get some stuff done that we have not been able to do. So all of these delays are, are costing our industry money. Wineries have left the valley. People are going away. Vineyards are not looking to be replanted. So I hate to sound like this is dire, but this is dire. So just anything that can be done to make haste to make these changes done well. Like we don't want to hasty changes with uh, Mr. Schneider's words at the previous meeting with the unforeseen consequences. We do not want unforeseen consequences, but we do want a healthy implementation of the South Valley area plan, which can have its own provisions. Now, of course, Measure D 2022 was for all large parcel agriculture within and without of the South Valley. That's passed by the vote of the people, and that is what it is. Despite what Mr. Bruce says, we don't want that out there. The voters passed it. However, I appreciate Mr. Bruce that we should be focusing on the South Livermore Valley area plan and getting this done to enable the success of the grape wine and grape business. Grapes are more than 50 our agricultural economy. Thank you for the time. Thank you all for what you do. Hi, Jean, you're on the line. Jean, you're still on mute. Okay, now I'm there. Okay, Jean King, Livermore, California, and I support these changes. I thank the staff and I endorse Supervisor Miley's appreciation of Liz 
work on this for many, many years. I support, but will not repeat many of the comments that were made by Dick Schneider and David Rounds and Lori Souza and Tamara Royce. I do want to mention that the ag building definition has been defined here to exclude public events and is reserved for true agricultural uses and not for event centers. So I, in particular, endorse that change. So thank you very much for taking on this issue and please pass these changes. Thank you, bye. There are no other speakers. Okay, thank you. See if Suppose Halbert is um, has any comments or questions? Okay, hearing none from him at the moment. Let me just um, check on two things. First of all, yeah, I know Dick has brought this up, Dick Snyder, in the past. So what what's going on with the zoning changes or what needs to happen with the zoning changes relative to the original Measure D? The um, the the land use designations in ECAP um, that apply generally in the, the the agricultural area are large parcel agriculture, um, uh, resource management, and then water management. Um, the, those uh, designations were new to um, the original. Uh, ECAP back in 1994, uh, and they were um, somewhat amended by by Measure D 2000. So what what Dick is referring to is that those designations, the, the three designations I mentioned, have somewhat different um, requirements and limitations on the kinds of land uses that can happen on properties with those designations. So um, the idea is to amend the zoning ordinance. Right, right now, um, most of the agricultural area is designated or has the, the zoning designation of agriculture. So it's just a generic um, zoning that applies to all properties um, with these three general plan designations. So the idea is to amend the zoning ordinance to create zoning districts that are more specific to the, the match the, the uh, general plan designations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think the the primary issue with that process would be that um, it will require a negotiation uh, or, you know, involvement of um, members of the public uh, to figure out what, what land uses are appropriate on the, the property with the various designations. So um, it, I, I agree it's something that, that we should do. Um, it's just been a matter of staff capacity and, and time mm -hmm. in the past. But um, I, I, I would say it would be a longer process than doing the 
the proposed South Livermore amendments. So I would suggest doing the South Livermore amendments first and then subsequently start the process of um, uh, coming up with these different zoning districts to apply in the, the agricultural area. Okay, that, I appreciate your, your response because I kind of um, thought that that might be the case. And I um, appreciate the way you're laying this out. So do you, uh, Liz, Albert, do you need to get specific direction from this committee and the board to follow this process? Because I do think there's legitimacy to what uh, Dick Snyder is bringing up. And I don't want to lose sight of this. And I don't want to have to revisit this. I want to get this in the hopper so the planning can queue it up and get it done. Uh, supervisor, so it, it's already in our work plan. I mean, certainly okay. you, can, you can you can direct us to do it, um, and it is already in our work plan. I think that you know one of the one of the challenges too, in addition to what Liz was mentioning, um, in, in terms of developing a new zoning code for the large parcel ag um, versus resource management is, um, you know, a lot of the uses in there, um, you know, that we have been talking about changing for, for you know, a decade plus, you know, almost mm -hmm. since Measure D was passed, it's been sort of open for debate to some degree. Um, and I think that had we done it right when Measure D had been passed back in 2001, it, it might have been a little bit easier. But now mm -hmm. I think these issues are now become so complex in many ways. Mm -hmm that you know th there needs to be a larger community discussion about the mm -hmm. difference between those two designations and mm -hmm. i know that's been a debate even like in the last 10 years like you know what's the difference between resource management versus large parcel ag um so but that said i mean we do we do have a draft zoning ordinance that we developed uh, about five years ago that so that creates the distinction between those two zoning designations uh we, we didn't go out to uh our roadshow at that Point, I think that's when we started talking about, you know, the, the ballot measures that just you know, mm -hmm. barely happened last year. So these mm -hmm. things, unfortunately, take a lot of time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, create some consensus. And I agree with what Liz is saying, that we should knock out South Livermore first. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have consensus there. And so we should, you know, finish that and then move on to uh, uh, in the sort of bigger question about the, the various zoning designations that apply throughout all of East County, not just South mm -hmm. Livermore. Okay, great. Well, um, I don't know if Supervisor Albert's here, but we are going to hold you to this, Albert and Liz. Sure. Knock out South Livermore, and then let's move on to the the, the bigger problem, the bigger issue. Um, and yeah, I don't know why, like Albert, uh, we didn't take this up earlier. I know you weren't the planning director at the time. Um, Chris Bazar wasn't back. Uh, I don't know why it was delayed. I you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I know it went by me. I, I wasn't focused on it, and maybe Supervisor Haggerty at the time wasn't either. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it is what it is. It's water under the bridge at this point, I, and I agree with you. Let's knock out South Livermore, but then let's move on to the, the harder issue, and um, at least this will give Liz job security. Because <laughs> if it's going to be harder, then yes, um, it'll be, it'll take a while to, you know, corral everybody to maybe figure out a path forward that mm -hmm. consensus maybe it won't but at least we need to have due process and go through you know the, the public vetting on on that so that um we can get to the end of the road on the uh the compliance with uh, measure d zoning compliance with measure d 
uh, 2000. Um, I do, and I thought one reason we hadn't gotten to it too is because, quite frankly, yeah, I know we've been spending uh, quite a bit of time just on the amendment to Measure D over the years as well. And I do know there's been issues of staff capacity as well. Um, so if we can knock out South Livermore, then let's move on. And I'm not saying if we will knock out South Livermore, let's move on and get the other um, zoning compliance of Measure D uh, in the hopper right after that. And um, the public's listening. And I know Supervisor Howard, if he's not on, his staff's on, my staff's on, so we can move this move the piece forward in the future. And then the other question I have is, uh, Lori, uh, Sousa from the Tri-Valley Conservancy spoke about um, Livermore and the sewer connection and the fact that the um, measure was passed. Now, um, I do believe they need support from the county in terms of funding. And this came to the Unincorporated Services Committee. It hasn't come to transportation planning. Supervisor Halbert to bring in transportation planning because I do think uh, the county should help provide some funding uh, to deal with that infrastructure, that sewer infrastructure. Uh, I do think we have a few funding sources that we can utilize. Um, one of which, when it came down to corporate services, Dave Brown at the time suggested some of our um, tier one um, funding from the dis dissolution of redevelopment as a possibility. I know I've mentioned that to Eileen Dalton. Mm -hmm. I do think infrastructure also uh, is an appropriate use under uh, ARPA. So I really want to have that piece, you know, that's a separate piece come to this committee. I'm no longer the chair, but I have mentioned it to Supervisor Halbert to bring that to this committee so we can um, take it up and advance it. Because when it came down to corporate services, it was a presentation from the Tri-Valley Conservancy. There was no staff report or anything associated with it. So I was hesitant to uh, move something forward without a staff report. So Albert, I, I really do think you and uh, maybe Eileen Dalton uh, need to get together with the Tri-Valley Conservancy and maybe Supervisor Halbert's office to bring this item to the, you know, to this committee so we can formally approve um, funding for this uh, sewer uh, project. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that much about it. I, I know that Eileen is working on it as well as uh, Sandy Rivera, our agency director. Um, I did see her hand up in the audience. I'm not sure if you want to hear from her or not. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I thought I saw her hand up. She's, uh, she's one of the panelists. Oh, oh, she's a panelist. Okay. There you are. Good morning, supervisors. So, uh, Supervisor Miley, your, your note about Tier 1 uh, funding that could possibly be used for unincorporated areas. It, it is. It was designated for unincorporated use. Uh, we could bring that forward to this committee and have that discussion as to what kind of funding uh, could be brought forward. And then, uh, of course, the the entire board would have to speak to mm -hmm. how that would be spent. So, mm -hmm. or we could bring it to a work session as well. So, just uh, as, as options for for what projects would be in in queue for that. Uh, with regard to ARPA funding, uh, I know uh, you probably spoke to Eileen about this as well, that that funding, it, uh, ARPA funds uh, can be used for infrastructure development. So uh, we'll have to take a look at what um, allocations we have. I know we're looking at the urban area right now and some of the projects that were um, not funded in the first tranche of ARPA. Uh, we're looking at funding the the 
pro programs that weren't funded at that time with the second tranche. And uh, I know there's some additional funding that, that might be available. Um, so we can take a look at that and bring that together, uh, the tier one discussion, as well as the ARPA to this committee the next time. Okay. okay. And hopefully that'll be sooner than later. Right. It needs to be because yeah. ARPA funding is a, a limited time. Yeah, and especially as it relates to the uh, infrastructure for the, uh, the sewers uh, in the um, South Livermore. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think that uh, I don't know how time sensitive that is, but I got the sense that that might be uh, time sensitive when it came to the Corporate Services Committee back in December, I believe it was. Okay, all righty. I just want to flag that. Okay, those are all the all the comments I had, and I think we heard from all the speakers. So, um, the supervisor is Supervisor Halbert with us. Do you have any other comments or questions? Uh, I heard from his staff, uh, Sean Wilson, that uh, there was a, he was having a, a connection problem, but Sean is listening in, and um, we will we will get back to him if there's any questions. Okay. So this was an updated discussion from the Ag Advisory Committee. So you. So I don't know. Do you is, is this you, do you need action on this? What 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 are we doing on this? Item? Hey, hey, Supervisor, Miley, I'm sorry. I was able to oh, finally oh. get my uh, my voice operating here. Uh, uh, followed it on the discussion. Thank you all. I would like to say that I note uh, that uh, I, I would like a report back uh, for next steps around timing. Like, how long will it take us to get this stuff done? And if we have uh, the need for I heard that 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 we have, you know, uh, everyone's strapped for time and and staffing's thin. Do we have an opportunity to augment? Um, can we bring somebody in to help us get these things done if needed? Um, because staffing uh, is an issue. I do note that uh, uh, feedback is that um, we uh, we we want to make sure that uh, uh, we're making progress um, with with these. Um, the other thing is with definitions, and I know that we talked about um, def uh, making those. I'd like to get a, a list um, sent to me of, of uh, a comprehensive list of all the different definitions that we're going to uh, add. Um, it, it, maybe it takes time, but what are the things that we know we've identified now that we need to add um, for uh, definitions? And then lastly, I would like to say thank you so much for uh, bringing up the need for funding uh, for the sewer line. Um, I think that in East County, uh, one of the biggest, uh, most important things we can do is to protect, nurture, foster the economic vitality and economic viability of uh, East County, the wine region. Uh, the, the, the biggest need there, the um, uh, identified need, uh, something we all agree upon needs to happen the extension of the uh, sewer line voted on by the residents of Livermore, but needs funding. So Supervisor Miley, I thank you for continuing to keep that in mind. But um, but Liz, Albert, if you could weigh in on uh, how we're going to get all of this work done, when, I'd like a time uh, date, if you don't have it now, that to, to send it uh, uh, afterwards, and then which definitions we're going to uh, uh, go after and, and implement um, and by when. I think it's more than just the ag building definition. There's others. Um, 
Yeah, it's yeah, well, that, yeah, I did have a question about that because that is the one that we've been uh, addressing and, and discussing in the community was about the, the actual definition of an, of an ag building. Um, I don't know, Liz, are there others that have been? Does God, has Goslin weighed in? I think he came with a few different ones that uh, he thought were pretty important. And, and maybe we need to have uh, a very a more clarity from, if that's the only one, then at least I know that, but I think there's others. Yeah, the, the Ag Advisory Committee has discussed the need for, for many, many, many uh, definitions. Uh, ag building is the one that has been agreed upon and we see as important to implementing Measure D because it uh, it does allow uh, additional square footage for ag buildings. So it's important to know what an ag building is. Um, I, I think that, um, that there, there is a need for these additional definitions. Uh, and I believe I, I have a, a list that I can uh, send to you. Um, I, I don't want to delay the, the most immediate work to add in these definitions. Um, when we're working on the, the zoning districts to match up with the general plan designations, I, I think that will raise some need for, for definitions um, just because we'll, we'll need to talk uh, using the same um, the the same meanings for for different land uses. Um, yeah, good point. Good point. What about the clustering approach? I know that we've talked about that. I, I know that it's been um, the need to uh, amend uh, the need for a board to vote on the clustering approach. We need to find uh, more more finality against that. I know that there were things that were discussed about that in various meetings even before I was on the district. Can you weigh in on that? Well, that would be part of the South Livermore um, amendments. So that would be something that we would begin uh, in April and, and that would come as part of the package of general plan amendments and zoning ordinance amendments uh, specific okay. to South Livermore. Can you, um, I, I think that as we talk about staff and I mentioned possibly augmenting, can we use TAP, uh, our TAP, uh, employees, or can we, they're not employees, they're uh, temporary. Can we use TAP to uh, bring people on board to help us with the work we need to get done? Uh, we could if we have the, the funding uh, to pay a, a temporary person. Um, I would also mention that uh, I'm working on, uh, I, I do have a, a provisional senior planner position open and I am looking to hire, um, I, I'm in the process of talking to someone who may be interested in, in taking that position uh, and that person has an agricultural background. So, so that would be a, a help as well. Very good. It's all about the people that we have, the knowledgeable people that they can follow the direction that we're setting forth. We as a board set the direction um, and that we would have clarity around that. Uh, could you talk about t timing? So we're going to start something in April. How long are some of these things going to take? I know we've been talking about some of them for a long time. When can we see these things get handled? Uh, 
Well, I, I think the uh, the South Livermore amendments um, would take a, a couple of months since uh, a, a lot of that um, information has already been um, compiled. Um, it's, it's just a matter of it would have to go to the uh, planning commission, your committee, um, the full board, um, and there's, you know, notification requirements for public hearings and, and preparation of staff reports and that sort of thing. But I, I don't see that taking more than two to three months, maybe. Um, in terms of the uh, the zoning districts, I, I, I don't have a good feel for exactly when we might be able to finish those. It kind of depends on how the, the public meetings go, um, but uh, definitely within the year. Um, and and we can work on the definitions as, as part of that process. Well, I think uh, we have to be mindful of time. Uh, we, again, talked about these things for a long, a long time, and uh, I don't want to see much delay. I'd like to see uh, offline uh, maybe uh, a, a timeline for each of these uh, processes. So um, maybe we'll take that offline in our next uh, report. I'll agendize this for the next planning uh, meeting as well, or uh, as many planning meetings as we need. Uh, but let's also take this uh, offline. Um, again, we uh, as a board set direction. I'll bring it to planning committee. I'll bring it to the full board. Um, it's time for us to uh, to give that direction. And uh, when it does, it's going to come with timeliness and it's going to come with the need to hit that timeline. And I want um, everybody, uh, department head on down through to whoever we hire to keep that in mind. Uh, we're not wasting any time. We're going to make um, some quick uh, decisions, mindfully, but quick. So thank you, um, Supervisor Miley. No other questions. I uh, appreciate the time, chance to weigh in. Okay, so with this item is it's an update. There's um, there's no other action required at this moment. That's correct. Yeah, I think we've got a direction to keep us busy for the next several months on this item, and we'll, <laughs> we'll coordinate with uh, District One. Um, as a matter of fact, I think we have a field trip with them out in uh, East County just next week to look at some of these issues. All right. All right. Very good. Okay. If I could add to that, Supervisor, Mayor, we're also doing the East County MAC. We'll be having a town hall on that. We'll be putting in the structure in place to have uh, East County Municipal Advisory uh, Committee. And uh, we're going to be making some some uh, uh, more chances for us to all get in and talk about this. And uh, I note that we have a planning meeting every month as long as it doesn't get canceled. So uh, I vow to not cancel those. Um, we're going to keep it moving. Thank you. you. You chair the planning meetings? That's correct. Okay. Just just checking. <laughs> I do what I'm told, Supervisor Miley, and you, you're pretty good at laying that out. <laughs> All righty. Very good. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's right. That's right. Okay. Very good. Okay. So I think we only had two items today we were covering. I think we've heard from speakers on the second item as well already. So I think we can go to non-agendized items for public comment. And so we'll take public comment on non-agendized items and 
We'll give uh, the speakers three minutes to speak. Hi, Kelly, you're on the line. Yeah, since this is uh, transportation and planning, I'd just like to bring up a few more things that have been appearing on the uh, in the newspaper. One is the uh, is BART. You know, a lot of the transportation projects, like your, uh, for example, the famous uh, Dublin Pleasanton uh, parking garage with 500 new spaces sponsored by Alameda County, they're going to be hooking up to BART. And it turns out that BART. It has uh, had its ridership drop to 35% of pre-pandemic levels. They're actually in dire straits, and they're going to the MTC and talking about uh, putting out a bond measure to get, they think they're dollars per year in the hole, and they need that kind of money just to stay afloat. And they're going to be asking your MTC for that kind of money, or maybe for bond measures, whatever, and of course, you know, that brings up the issue when you already have 3,000 parking spaces in uh, Dublin Pleasanton, why would you build 500 more for another $35 million when BART is, uh, is begging for riders? Um, then another issue out there in East County, you know, way out there towards Mountain House and Oakley and Brentwood and Tracy and Mountain House uh, and Altamont, they are actually talking about State Route 239. That's a uh, four-lane freeway, and it would go through, carve through a part of Alameda County. So when we're talking about protecting our agricultural lands, uh, how is it that we're, we're, we're not talking about protecting our Alameda County from having a freeway paving over uh, lot, uh, the land out there and adding traffic to that Altamont Pass on I-580, which is you know a big Bay Area, Bay Area air quality management district issue and a big traffic issue and a big planning issue because it kind of promotes urban sprawl. All these things tie together. Thank you. Hi, Carl, you're on the line. Hi, this is Carl Wente. At this juncture, I'm uh, speaking as the chair of the Ag Advisory Committee meeting and just wanted to give you all an update that we had an offsite and uh, and really working on our purpose, powers, and duties and making sure that the Ag Advisory Committee has a structure to support the strategy or the purpose. And ultimately, as you all know, the ECAP purpose and scope, um, the ECAP plan is intended to inform decision makers and the general public uh, measure D purposes to preserve and enhance agriculture and agricultural lands and to protect the natural qualities, wildlife habitat, watersheds, and beautiful open spaces. The purpose for the A for the administrative code, the purpose of the AAC is to act as a technical advisory panel of experts to the Board of Supervisors and other public agencies on the economic enhancement of agriculture and environmental conservation. Um, and to implement the requirements measure D to hold such meetings and our purpose, powers and duties provide leadership and direction, make recommendations to enhance economic viability of agriculture, provide active participation and leadership in the development of open space and preservation plans, promote agricultural community involvement, undertake and direct special studies funded through Alameda County, uh, participate periodically in the review of the Williamson Act. And as the chair, we have not done that as uh, Mr. Abreu has said, or also F, to report to the Board of Supervisors and other agencies as appropriate on legislation affecting agriculture, advise and work with cities and governments on the conflicts between agriculture uses, urban uses, environmental quality, advise, work with city 
uh, state special interest groups and other entities, district governing uh, concerning open space funding, advise Alameda County departments on the impact of programs affecting agriculture and determine our own work schedule. And as such, uh, we had good meetings and the chair had one-on-ones with his mentee of the committee members as possible to gain alignment and understanding of their goals, hopes, and visions, and then working to have the committee structures of the AAC set up to be responsive and ultimately add value to uh, what we're doing in terms of advising on the economic enhancement of agriculture and the preservation of our environment and the natural resources. And I probably give Liz hives at times in terms of setting up too many committees as we go forward, executive committee, the membership, because we've had struggle filling those seats. Um, equine subcommittee with a permit streamlining led by Mr. Gosling. We have a trails subcommittee set up, um, bringing in East Bay Regional and uh, other uh, park and uh, uh, park and recreation planners. Uh, newly created urban agriculture and that interface in the peri-urban agriculture as the closer we are to our food source, the better uh, community is. We have a solar subcommittee still in place and advocate, advocacy, outreach, and collaboration as the AAC is committed to being a, a collaborative agency that can provide good support to you. So the essence of this one is working hard to set this up well, but as the chair of the AAC, uh, just formally, formally requesting from you all, what can we do to better serve you and our purpose? So thank you all for what you do. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, the Alameda County staff um, for continuing to try and make this world a better place. Thanks. There are no other speakers. All right. I want to thank everybody for attending today's transportation planning meeting. And with that, we stand adjourned. Record